this is Jen, and this is the Paranormal.chat podcast. I'm here with my brother, Eric, and Jesse. Say hi, guys. What's going on? How's it going? Hey, we're here for our 30th episode. Yay! And we are going to be talking about the Roanoke uh, Lost Colony. And I just want to say, like, I know that there isn't... It's not like a typical supernatural story, but it, there's just so much mystery... And so much like weird like things that happened that, that can't be explained that I just feel that it deserves to be talked it's about. It's kind of like the, the Winchester house where there's not too much like paranormal stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it, it's like you said, uh, it, it, just all around, it's it, it's surrounded by like tragedy and bad luck and uh some mystery it, it, it's all topped off by like one giant mystery so yeah. as a 90s kid this is one of the, the big things for me because uh was I, was, it? I was really into this show called Freaky Link. i was about to say was it Freaky <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that let us know if you remember Freaky Links. that was like the the show that i wished it continued i want to say it was like we, if you were watching Freaky Links, you were into X-Files. I think that was like your 90s extreme X-Files. You know what I mean? You know, you, you, you know I, I actually kind of remember Erie, Indiana. Do you remember that? That was, that was Fox Kids. Yeah, it was in the same. It was in the same. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved Erie, Indiana. And that's how you know 90s kids grew up watching spooky <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is why we're all weirdos now. But anywho's, um, you can find our podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can now find it on Google Podcasts. Um, I believe you can find it on Amazon, and I don't remember what uh, streaming service they use. I think it's Audible. And then I'm working on getting this on Pandora. They have a really long thing of stuff to read, though, for their terms and agreements. <laughs> so I'm not rushing on that one, but... Um, hopefully we will be on YouTube by the end of this year, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at paranormal.chat. The dot is a period. And then you can email in your stories to us, <coughs> at gmail.com. Um, make sure to rate and subscribe us. Give us a good rating and leave a review and just share with your friends or I love when I see uh, my friends sharing their podcast episodes and whatnot. It's very encouraging. So thank you for those that do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love seeing everybody interact in the group and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. It's great. Yeah, it's it's uh, exciting because the, I'm just like, at least we have one person listening. <laughs> <laughs> we do this all for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, oh, creepy updates. Eric, I know for sure you have a creepy update. Yeah, so uh, like I had mentioned earlier, I was going over with my sister before we actually started recording. Uh, so we were supposed to actually interview somebody for this episode. And I had gone to uh, here in San Antonio locally. We have Fiesta going on right now. And me and the wife went downtown. So I'm sure this dream was induced by the alcohol, right? Because I already had a few. <laughs> But uh, I did have a dream about the actual interview, and we're interviewing our cousin. And uh, so I don't remember exactly what was being said. But in the dream, he was, you know, 
talking about his, his experiences and his encounters. And he had gotten to a point where it was shocking in his discussion that I noticed that everybody kind of stopped and looked at each other like, like we were all shocked, like I said. And then out of nowhere, this ringing started happening, which I, I thought was his phone, right? So everyone's kind of looking and I'm waiting for him to kind of like answer it. But it seems as if like time had stopped. No one was moving. And that's when I woke up and I realized that the ringing was actually happening in real time, right? Not in the dream. So this is, you know, early morning, 5 a.m., I believe, because it's normally the time that I wake up anyways. And I begin to search for the sound and I'm searching and I'm searching and I finally find the source of the sound without finding the source of the sound, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I get to the area where it sounds the loudest <clears throat> and it sounds like I'm right next to it, but there is nothing in the vicinity. So I don't know if you could call that like a disembodied sound disembodied alarm yeah disembodied alarm which was kind of strange to me I, I couldn't explain it uh i sat there myself just kind of being like huh this is strange yeah like this is strange i, I don't know what this is did you panic a little bit because i would have been panicked. no i mean it's it was it was just a ringing oh, you know like still. a like a jingle well like so a like it was just doing that over and over uh-huh well so, i don't know if this qualifies for a creepy update wait was yours done was yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so literally, like, I just an hour ago, I was telling you that well, I had a sow in the back, and then I just heard, like, this little, I thought it was a fucking ringtone going off, and, like, none of our phones has ever made that little sound, and I was, like, crazy, <laughs> and so he came and asked Jesse, he looked at me like I was fucking crazy, and as I was walking back to the bathroom, he goes off, and it's, like, our old bell system, or not bell, like, the... Ring, uh, yeah, the doorbell. doorbell. But like our doorbell has never made that noise. <laughs> it's disconnected. Yeah, or well, it's not disconnected because we did have the the little battery thingy. Oh right, right, yeah, right, right. And Sal used to like carry it around and fucking like, press on it, but he <laughs> broke it. So that little thing is broke. The little button is broken, and like this little stupid thing was going off, and I was like, first of all, I've never heard of that one before. Who was fucking pushing the thingy to make it go out? <laughs> and then um, the last time uh, when Sal had the little uh, doorbell thing, like you can tell the battery was going out because like it wasn't even making the little chime anymore. It was like a <laughs> noise. Like it sounded like the the bird calls that they do in the H E B thing. Like. <laughs> oh yeah 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 okay I know what you're talking about. Like, like the predator what, birds. Yeah, that's yeah. what it had sounded like. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, what? And then I think you got here, so I was like, oh, okay, and then slipped my mind. But, yeah, that was, I don't know if that qualifies as a creepy update more than a, what the fuck? Strange sounds going yeah. all around, huh? Yeah. Any creepy updates, Jesse? Uh, my creepy update would be my goddamn neck muscle giving out on me. That's not a creepy update. <laughs> <laughs> That's just you old update uh, it's creepy to me <laughs> yeah yeah no shit right <laughs> alrighty so um, I think we are ready to get into the story um, the way we're going to have it done is Eric is going to fill us in about the history and basically what happened with the colony and then I am going to go in with the aftermath and the theories that 
what happened to the colony. I think I have like seven or eight different theories that have been talked about. Oh yeah, and I just kind of want to preface at the beginning of this. There is a lot of history in this, right? So I'm just going to try to hit, or I tried uh, in my attempt to take notes on this. I felt like back in fucking high school doing this all over again. Uh, I attempted to only hit the keynotes and key characters. So it may take a while, but I'm, I tried compressing it as much as I could. So then some of it skews off. Into oh, other... yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, I tried to stay focused. I tried to stay on path. So, all right. So if uh, we'd like, let's go ahead and begin. So uh, Roanoke was supposed to be the first English colony in the New World, uh, an expansion of sorts. Uh, Queen Elizabeth I was hearing of the great riches being exported from King Philip's uh, of Spain's Florida colony, St. Augustine. Without a moment to lose, she appoints Sir Humphrey Gilbert to head the expedition. But soon he passes and leave, uh, leaves the expedition to be split between his brother Adrian Gilbert and Sir Walter Riley. Raleigh, sorry, there's uh, I just uh, so many ways to say his name incorrectly. But, uh, yeah, everybody should have heard of Sir Walter Raleigh at some point in high school. I mean, I think this is just kind of basic American history, kind of. All right. So Raleigh is described to be the specimen of the male species. Oh. I didn't know if you knew this because this is what garnered the queen's attention to him. Oh. Because he was, yeah, he was described as being muscular and fit and athletic, very uh, capable of mind and everything. I mean, yes, this was... <laughs> he would be. <laughs> oh my god that is that is a good because <laughs> that and now that you said that that's kind of what i'm picturing sir walter raleigh as now <laughs> all right all right all right you guys that'd be a lot cooler if you did so uh, yeah so i mean <laughs> better chance he's like i want to play that guy Oh, no we shit, go. we just... My agent gave me this role. <laughs> That's awesome. I would love to be credited for his inspiration for his next Oscar nomination. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, so the queen, with all of this in mind, had given Raleigh free reign to occupy any territories and claim by the Christian man or kingdom, which was basically saying... You could kill anybody that's not like us. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, I mean, come on, let's read between the lines here. That's essentially, yeah, in the name of Christ. <laughs> of course, Raleigh said quick to planning through uh, what he would be able to join the expeditions because he, he wouldn't be able to join the expeditions because uh, the queen also made it illegal for him to leave her council. So oh, she wanted him there all the time. I can't. Basically, oh. essentially, I mean, she made up some kind of bullshit rule to make him stay there. <laughs> Polish the queen's jewels. God damn it, we're getting off track. It's because we're all picturing Matthew McConaughey. Yes, this is this is true. <laughs> she gets older and I stay young. No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> so the queen, like I said, the queen appointed Raleigh to be a part of her council, which now was illegal for him to leave her side. Uh, I don't know if it was like for personal reasons or not, but I mean, kind of knowing what we know now, you know, make up your mind. Yeah. Uh, but Raleigh would now have to delegate the missions from London. By April 27th of 1584, the first charter to the New World was about to depart. The expedition consisted of two ships. 
commanded by two very capable men, Philip Amadas and Arthur Barlow. The two commanders and their ships were to sail south uh, to the trade or to catch the trade winds west and then to sail to the West Indies where they would restock and gather fresh water, then trek north till about July 4th where they would ship where the ships would hopefully make landfall because again, you know, they, they kind of really didn't know much about the area, so the whole gathering fresh water thing still trips me out. Like, <laughs> yeah, they have water bottles? Just put it in the balance. Yeah. Well, I mean, ship life was yeah, supposed to be terrible. Yeah, it was really disgusting. So on July 13th, the two ships make landfall. After the men uh, admire the beauty of the new land, they come in contact with the Sakotan tribe, and their arrival was fairly well received, right? The the chieftain at the time, Chief uh, Grand Ganimio, was very kind and welcoming. He escorted them to the village where the English were bathed and fed. They were clothed. Their their clothes were also washed. And it was said even Chief uh, Grand Ganimio, I'm sorry, I can't say his name properly, Grand Ganimio washed uh, their feet also. Like the chief actually did this. And this just like... Ugh, it's so sad because, like, the hospitality yeah. and the welcoming of yeah, <laughs> strangers. Yeah, and, and then they turn around and fucking, yeah. Oh, we, we know, we know. Uh, so they did all of that to help them, uh, and their hospitality is, like, just far beyond at this point. After some time here, they explore and charter the land, or chart the land, for further knowledge, the men returned to England in the autumn of 1584. Amada and Barlow sang great praises of the riches and the resources to be found on the New World. To further bolster their claims, they also said that relations with the local indigenous was proceeding well. And to prove the point, they had actually taken back to Sokotan tribesmen that had actually joined them on the journey, right? Uh, one of them was named Juan Chis, and the other one was the chieftain of the Croatoan Islands' very own son, Mantillo. Oh, my God. Why? They took his own son? Well, yeah, but, I mean, it was an agreed-upon thing. It was an agreed thing, but still, that's scary. Uh, yeah, it is, but, uh, I mean, th this was just how, how how well they were getting along at the time. <laughs> what Why? If, what if they were just like, these people really smell. Let's just bathe <laughs> <on> them <laughs> That could have actually possibly been the reason. Don't be <laughs> like do y'all have y'all not heard of could you imagine them not knowing what they're saying is and in their local language like these men smell we need to bathe them <laughs> that's so terrible god damn it. revisionist history right now uh, so queen elizabeth was impressed with raleigh's execution that she had him knighted and during the ceremony she announced that he would reside over the territories as Knight, Lord, and the Governor. Oh, shit. Yeah, so... It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, of course, being charged with excitement, Raleigh immediately set to planning another expedition to the New World. But this time, it would be a much larger endeavor. The planned expedition would can now consist of seven ships and 600 men. The plan was now to begin the location and possibly export of some of the claimed resources. Afterwards, half of these attendees would stay to be uh, begin colonizing a secure and securing a fort and military position. 
While that was happening, a second wave of resources and settlers would make their way to them shortly after. On April 9th of 1585, Richard Grenville would depart on the expedition, but it was soon after that the bad omens of this entire situation begins. <laughs> so uh, a severe storm struck the sailing fleet, separating them and later sinking one of the small ships. Fortunately, the remaining ships were able to rendezvous to a planned meeting area off the coast of Puerto Rico. On July 29th, Grenville and a couple of the ships reached the Outer Banks. And again, bad luck. The Tiger, one of the ships, strikes uh, more of a bit of bad luck and gets stranded on the sandbanks and sustains major damages and losses, loses most of its provisions. On June 11th, Grenville finally reaches Roanoke, where he's relieved to see the two other ships had actually already made it there. In preceding weeks, the party explores the surrounding area and visits with the local Sakotan tribes. <clears throat> By July 21st, Chief uh, Grang Inimio allows Grenville to establish settlement on the northern area of Roanoke. It's there that they build a fort support uh, that's able to support 160 men during the expedition. During the construction, Grenville continues to send out explorer parties searching for gold and silver as his first impressions which is so kind of stick up of his ass. His first impressions of the indigenous locals was less than impressive and less than overwhelming because they look so poor. So right away he began to worry and said, is there truly anything to venture out here? Yeah, which is just, it's kind of stupid, right? Where is the great coupon? Yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> like, I, I think this is just, I, I think this kind of like, to, I guess, to get it all within context, uh, this is kind of like any higher class society kind of doing what we've done throughout history is basically saying, oh, yeah, we're better than them. You can go conquer whatever you want. You know what I mean? I think it's resource wise because they did have their own, I guess, hierarchy in the tribes as well, but not as pompous, I guess, as what yeah. Would be the yeah. Well, I mean, if, if I don't know how it would go uh, extensively through like native tribes, but as far as I understand, like women were almost equal, if not better, than men because they actually gave life. You know, so in respects to their their place in nature, I, I know Native Americans really held women in like the highest regards in terms of of like the circle of life. You know. Actual traits, you know, like the, mm. the modern skills that they have there. Yeah. yeah, that's what I have to Good, good. We're, we're professional. You're welcome. Professional podcast. <laughs> 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 On August 25th, under the assumption that uh, the second wave was already on its way, right, the, the relief was already coming, uh, Grenville actually departs Roanoke. On the Tiger, as planned, leaving Ralph Lane to lead the settlers till the relief arrives. What he didn't know was that the Queen had full, uh, full in, fully invested in the defense against King Philip and the Spanish Armada. So she basically pulled back everything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, upon his arrival to London, details are reported to Raleigh of the expedition. It's now that Grenville does discover that no relief is on its way. But it kind of sounds like he really didn't even care. Uh, he... It, so, like, throughout the story, he's really involved, but it almost sounds more like this is just a job for him. And fail or succeed, he's going to do his job. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's just kind of the way uh, it sounds to me like Grenville. Uh, 
is. Uh, but back on Roanoke, things are starting to fall apart. Relations with the local indigenous begin to deteriorate, mostly due to the tribes believing that the settlers were bringing sickness and illness. Even some of the uh, Secotoan elders believed that they were dead men brought back to eliminate them, and more were coming to replace them. Others believed that they were being killed by invisible bullets, by soldiers being shot off in the distance. But in general, it was agreed by everybody that no one wanted the new settlers around, and they were deemed dangerous and told to leave. Right. So Ralph Lane, with no other option, uh, organizes an expedition to Chesapeake Bay to avoid any conflict. By June 8th, 1585, a group of ships led by Sir Francis Drake makes, makes it to Roanoke after a failed campaign to defend against the Spanish. Upon arrival and making preparations with the remaining settlers, more bad luck strikes in the form of a hurricane and damages Drake's ships. With not enough provisions and the ships damaged to allow any efforts to continue the plans, uh, to colonize, Drake loads all of the colonists up and sets sail for England on July, June 18th. It was agreed that 15 would be left back, though, right? So they were still going to receive provisions from, uh, I forget where, it was a nearby settlement. Uh, and then also, like, when they came back, everything was going to still kind of be in working order. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, this was just a complete fa failure. It was later found out that Raleigh, in fact, did send a supply ship to aid Drake, but with him leaving before it could arrive, yeah, it just showed up and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grenville arrives with six ships, 200 men, provisions, but coming on shore sees that no one is there. So he packs everything up and just leaves as well. He just says, fuck it, I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> After many failed attempts to colonize, Squabbling breaks out amongst uh, Ralph Lane and John White on whether the venture was even worth it. Uh, Lane is the one who opposes ever doing this. He says that, yeah, the, the land may be beautiful, but like there's just no value in, in even trying to get over here. Uh, and John White, you know, he, he's making the argument that like it's it's worth going over here. So after these delegations, Raleigh decides he will continue with the endeavor and takes White's advice, being that the reason for the unsuccessful attempts were due to the unruly men that were sent. He claimed they were violent killers. Uh, they killed locals on a whim and were hard to control. They were just unruly and stuff. Uh, this leads Raleigh to try and enlist civilians who in turn would have more of a stake in making the colonization more of a success. He would offer 500 acres of land to those who would enlist, which is just like, dude, you haven't even gotten here and you're already yeah. fucking you're giving them land that doesn't belong to yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they, just it kind of upsets me, like the entitlement of some of these people. I like the fact that he's like, they're really unruly, just killing people. But you know what? If you go over there, <laughs> you get all the land you want. Yeah, pretty much, right? Like, you may have to kill some people, but, like, but you know. Like, how dare they yeah. go over there and act a fool, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just kind of dumb. Uh, this, of course, attracted, you know, I don't want to say, like, the undesirables, but it kind of did. Well, it attracted... Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's exactly who it uh, attracted was the poor and the down and downtrodden, and more of the people who were on the lower social hierarchy of things. I mean, they, they weren't going to be able to climb that social ladder, so fuck it, let's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So it consisted of men and women, mostly in their late 20s to early 30s. And John White, his daughter Elizabeth Dare, and her husband were also going to accompany. This would later be pretty much heartbreaking for John White. Uh, it's just, just terrible. Because of his name? <laughs> no? No. It's, it's pretty devastating. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, I tried giving it some of that pizzazz by just ending it right there. So I'm going to try to make it very... <laughs> so, uh, so it would be heartbreaking because she would give birth to the first child to be born in the new world, Virginia Dare. Right? So... I'll come up to it later again, but just let that be known that this was like the first Christian English person to be born in the New Worlds. Three ships loaded with provisions and 50 settlers each were donated to the venture. The plan was to return to Roanoke and return the two indigenous that accompanied them back to London, which was uh, Taiwi and uh, Mantillo, who also, this is like his second trip there. Right? They're just in the rooms, just kind of dancing around and these things. Uh, so then they would travel up to Chesapeake Bay to find a spot to begin the task of building the first English colony in the New Worlds. After the successful establishment of the colony, the two appointed captains, Fernandez and Spicer, would return to England to update Raleigh on the you know, uh, safe arrival and then the progress of which they were uh, baking on the colony. And they were almost certain that this was going to please Raleigh and he would send more settlers and provisions. Of course, like before, the bad omens begin. On April 22nd, just before departure, two dozen settlers just dip out. Too much to their luck. Where this was like... Dip yeah. out as a more as a they, they back out. They are not going to... Well, to not about this turn. Yeah. Scratch, <laughs> That's on me. I'd be like, this. this is too much work. <laughs> After setting sail and landing on the St. Croix Islands on June 22nd of 1587, understandably, the settlers are hungry for fresh fruits and veggies to eat. They find these small green fruits, kind of resembling like apples, and they eat them. Mm -hmm. And of course, big mistake. mistake. And of course, they were poisonous. Yeah. (laughs) The fruits burned their mouths so badly that they couldn't speak. Right, like they, it just swelled up, and they were burnt. Their throats, their mouths, mm-hmm. everything. What the fuck did they do? <laughs> I, I actually couldn't find exactly what they ate. All I know is that it was poisonous, but it doesn't stop there, <laughs> right? Uh, many of the other settlers became ill from drinking water from a contaminated pond. Oh Even just bathing in the water burned their skin and temporarily blind them for a week. So they're they're out of commission for a week. It's just. It's just ridiculous. Like, after a while, you're going to be asking yourself, like, why? Why, guys? This sounds forsaken already. (laughs) (laughs) This all rings to me like an Ernest goes to camp type of thing. (laughs) That's good. They're like, hey, this poison ivy looking plant, let's rub it on our body. (laughs) I like that. That's funny. Go do anything, like, outdoors and you're like, what? I would get poison ivy on me probably. <laughs> uh, July 22nd, White and the ships finally land on Roanoke, where the 15 men that were left behind from before were supposed to be, but no trace of them could be found until they locate the bleached bones of one of the men. 
right? So they can't find 14 of them and they find the bones of one of them. And yeah, I mean, it's just not looking good. <laughs> On July 25th, the second ship arrives with 118 settlers. In the coming weeks, they construct shelters to plan and regroup for the tasks that lie ahead of them and their journey to Chesapeake Bay. But not before more bad luck falls on them. Affirming that the relationships with the local natives was still in bad shape, the settler, uh, one, uh, a settler named George Hull goes down to a creek to do some crab fishing, right? Like, he's just, like, he's just a settler. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, he just, uh, I want some crabs. <laughs> right? So he goes down there and he strips off all his clothes, right? And he enters the water to begin fishing. He is then attacked by nearby Sakotan warriors. <laughs> oh, well, because I was just, well, I'm sorry. This is my thought. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, his wing is going to get, like, snapped by a crab. <laughs> Maybe you got this thing. Shame. Hey, every, every fisherman has their bait, right? Maybe that's his bait. Just, I'm he just saying. <laughs> God damn. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's then attacked by nearby skeleton warriors hiding in the tree line. He is hit with more than a dozen oh, arrows. Oh my god. Yeah, like he is just riddled with. Like, I'm just seeing Nordberg from fucking. Uh, with Naked Weapon just kind of. Uh, just getting hit over and over. They were like in. Just chilling. And they're like, that dude's fucking crap. Shoot that dude. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. What does he do? What? No, no. <laughs> oh God. And that's not the worst part because lying there just riddled with arrows. They also beaten to a pulp with like clubs. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Rightfully, everybody is shocked by what has happened. So White and Mantillo sought out uh, the Croatoan for answers. The elders told them they were no longer welcome and they needed to leave all due to the outbreaks of sickness that at this point has ravaged many local villages and tribes. Right. Uh, so the men plead with him, the, the Croatoan that they wish to rebuild the relationship they once had. They said they would give the elders a week to convene and come to a decision. When that week had passed and no answer came, the commander Stafford took this as a sign of no agreement and organized raid. And it gets worse. So on August 9th, under the cover of night, White, Stafford, Mantillo, and two dozen men cross a river and attack a group of men gathered around a fire. Yeah. Much to Mantillo's dismay, they had just attacked his very own tribe. They attacked a Sakotan tribe. Oh. Yeah, so, uh, and of course, Mantu is just furious. Like, he is so upset. But I don't know in this coming sentence if any of this was appeased because, uh, but, so they try talking to him, right? And in a sense, to appease Mantu, he was Christianed and made the first native to be accepted into the English church. And he got over it. Yeah, that was it. It was okay. So I don't know if that played anything into it or if he said like, whoopsie doo, all right, it's kind of what it is. I don't know. Like, I know you're going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> Price, I'm just like, you dumbstruck right now. Like, 
Yeah. I think they had to have given him, like, you, you get this armor and you get this thing. Possibly. Like, I, I yeah. It was I, I mean, it's a good point, right? This is, I mean, he's made many journeys to England. He may have fallen in love with, like, the culture and the status that he had there. That maybe, yeah, this was just enough to say, like, all right, I won't forget it, but... What, what was the main downfall of, you know, the Americas was they didn't know how to temper steel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there was all uh, obsidian and, you know, rock and yeah. sticks, you know? So yeah. I can see how steel can be very appealing to someone. Oh, yeah. Seen it. Or, or, I mean, just, I mean, just in the decadence of the jewelry, silver and gold. I mean, could you imagine being somebody who's never, who's possibly seen gold, right, and silver, but seen it as ornate as, yeah. like, a chalice or a, yeah, a, yeah. a crucifix or something? Yeah, yeah, I mean. Oh, I guess the blacksmithing. Oh, metallurgy, thing. right? Yeah. Metallurgy, I guess what? it would be called. Um, so. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a bit of good news. Right. On August 18th, Elizabeth Dare gives birth to Virginia Dare, like mentioned before, the first Christian English settler to be born in the New Worlds. By the end of August, the planned return to England was approaching. It was pretty much unanimously decided that White would be the one to return to England and update Raleigh due to their relationship. Right. Before leaving, White appoints Roger Bailey and Ananias. And Ananias Dare, which was Elizabeth Dare's husband, to take the lead of Roanoke Colony in his absence. He would also confirm the agreed plan that most of the colony would move further in the land when winter approached, leaving a small group of Roanoke in Roanoke to receive uh, provisions and to help White locate the main settlers upon his return in the spring. In case of an emergency, it was also agreed that they would carve the name of the location the settlers were going to. Uh, in a in a pretty obvious area, right? So somewhere it was easily be found. If it was crossed out, though, that meant that they were attacked or forced to leave. So that's obviously going to come up because that's the big thing at the end of the story, right? So keep that in mind. On August 27th, White departs, leaving his daughter and granddaughter behind, which is just far beyond me. Like, I, I don't care what my social status was. I would not be leaving, especially a grandchild behind Right. Like I'd just be like, no, fuck it. If I'm going, they're going. If you don't agree, then I'm staying. So that's just me. White finally arrives on November 8th, but would wait a whole week before speaking to Raleigh due to the entire venture just worsening in every attempt. Right. Like every time Raleigh is getting a, a, an update, something bad is just happening and, and just getting worse. White uh, at this point, though, Spain is readying to invade and England is readying to defend. This put a halt on all outgoing ships and a recall on all ships at sea. They all get called back to the English harbors in a preparation to defend the, the Spanish Armada. For whatever thought they thought it was going to be sooner, it actually was later. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I think that is something also to, to take in is understanding like the Spanish Armada was claimed to be undefeatable. Like it's just, it's just a legend in its own sense. Right. Uh, November 20th, White finally meets with Raleigh and he promises to send relief, though it's months before he even hears word of any plans for the relief mission. It's not till March of 1588. Grenville begins to prepare to depart, but this is canceled and diverted because the queen uh, enlists his ship to the Queen's Navy to combat the Spanish Armada again. 
Finally, on April 22nd of 1588, two ships are donated by Raleigh, carrying more settlers and supplies. They depart, but again, much to White's dismay, the real intentions are revealed. Commander Facey had no intentions in making its way to Roanoke and uh, fully went out of his way to pillage and raid other ships along the way. This also didn't come, this didn't come to a stop until Facey finally faced somebody with a bigger stick, basically. He, yeah, he finally faced uh, a much better equipped, much better, well-prepared French ship. Uh, after Facey's ship was raided of everything he had, Facey was forced to return to England, and along was White. White uh, did have a small glimmer of hope, though, on August 18th, when the Spanish Armada, too much to everybody's surprise, is defeated, uh, is given just like the smallest possible of hope and relief that a, you know, a relief voyage would actually be sent to Roanoke. But sadly, at this point, Raleigh had no further interest in returning and uh, was now like fully diverting all of his efforts and resources to a colony or, well, territory that he was given in Ireland in uh, 1587. So pretty much just forgotten and abandoned by Raleigh. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. On March of uh, 1589, White does manage to gather enough support to make the relief voyage to Roanoke. In mid-April, another massive relief attempt is made, but due to poor organization, White is unable to complete the journey and is again forced to return to England. At this point, it's been two years since he's made any contact with his daughter, granddaughter, son-in-law, anybody from Roanoke, right? So on February 1st, 1590, White again is finally able to gain passage upon a, private a privateer's boat to Roanoke. But again, he was lied to by the commander. In fact, they had no intentions of ever going to Roanoke, like at all. They used White's dilemma in an attempt to escape the stay home order that the queen had put in place before, right? Like they were basically using him to escape that because they had to have a good reason to leave. And uh, I, they, they, I guess they persuaded whoever was in charge or able to give that permission by saying like, hey, we need to go relieve a colony pretty much so yeah pretty much so they were granted the the permission and they set sail but instead they plundered and pillaged the canary islands for months yeah, for months, White was able to finally plead and beg with a couple of the the commanders, and he just imagined them with like a bunch of like swag. They're like, please, they're like, all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I could only imagine how he feels at this point because like he must be feeling restless or or helpless. I'm sorry, helpless. Because I mean, kick of the swag taking though. I don't know. Actually, that like, that would be a good question. Have, like, the jewels. <laughs> he looks like Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's finally able to persuade some of these guys to like, hey man, come on, I need to get back here. On August eighteenth of fifteen ninety, three years since his last, he last set foot on Roanoke, he finally arrives. But what he sees leaves him completely and utterly heartbroken. Right? He discovers that the colony has been completely abandoned, the homes have been dismantled, supplies are no longer there, and nature has taken and reclaimed back what once was its 
you know, grass and overgrowth and everything. Uh, it's during his search that he discovers written upon one of the main gates, like the gateposts, the word Croatoan. But to his relief, to his very small relief, he sees that there is no cross on it, saying that either they were attacked or forced to leave. So it gives him some small, you know, sense of relief. Oh, that Possibly, right? But as it has become pretty much regular in this entire episode, yeah, more bad luck. That very night, another strong storm hits and damages the ships. And he is forced to depart the next day. And White is ab- abandoned all hopes and all efforts. Uh, and he leaves his daughter behind, never to return ever again. He does not know what happens. And that's that's pretty much the story. That's how I trimmed the fat off of it. Uh, I hope it was pretty concise. It was. So. Very sad. Yes. Because <clears throat> there was... A lot of efforts that were put into this, trying to get there, uh, trying to just like this poor man had left his daughter there. I, I, I couldn't understand where he would be at any point in this journey trying to get back there and then coming back and finding absolutely nothing. But I, I mean, he like I said, he, it, the colony didn't look like it was attacked. Uh, and then also, like I said, with the word Croton written on the thing and it wasn't crossed out. So, I mean, possibly with some more time, he could have possibly gone further inland and found them. Mm-hmm. But he he would never know because even at the time, the only ally that could possibly get him back to Ro- uh, Roanoke was Raleigh. But Raleigh was being imprisoned at the time because he had fallen in love with one of the queen's maids. And that upset her. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, sad story. Sad story. That's very sad. <laughs> Alright, so now we're going to get into the theories of what may have happened to the Roanoke colonists. So theory one, which is the most logical theory, is the colonists of Roanoke were absorbed into local Indian tribes. So close to Roanoke was the Croatoan island inhabited by the Croatoan tribe. It is theorized that some of the colonists in their desperation for survival set out shelter with them. They were one of the tribes that were friendly with the colony. In the future, Jamestown settlers also would claim to meet four men living among the Iroquois tribe that said they were from Roanoke. In the records of history, they were were one of the tribes that were friendly with the colony. In the future, Jamestown settlers also would claim to meet four men living among the Iroquois tribe that said they were from Roanoke. In the records of history, there were claims to have seen natives with gray eyes and also claimed to be descendants of the Roanoke colonists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In 1696, there were claims of meeting blonde-haired, blue-eyed natives along the Tar River. So I googled where this river was, and it's northeast of North Carolina. Is this also the one where they said that it was strange that these natives were bilingual they spoke both english wrote english and then spoke the native language um, is that the one i think no i didn't look too much into that well I see it's on that that they yeah. were basically like yeah and, and that was the strange thing and that's what led a lot of people to believe that that more common one that they were basically absorbed into other tribes was that again yes they had their the, the more common eye color was what brown uh, darker colors, but then 
after a while they started seeing the grays the greens and stuff like that and that also these uh indigenous spoke english and wrote english and they also came with certain things that only could have come from england like uh oh, what was it i forgot i didn't really look into it because you, you were going to take part in this uh but i'm sorry go ahead okay so um and who so they were uh oh the river it's uh north of carolina right right so further evidence to confirm the theory is that an archaeological site along the river had burial grounds with coffins that had Christian markings on them. Mm-hmm. Even though there's no way to prove these were Roanoke colonists, uh, there's also the line of thinking that they were captured by hostile natives and were enslaved. Uh, in 1612, William Strachey, the secretary of Jamestown, Virginia, claimed to see Europeans living among the Eno tribe as slaves. There's evidence that the colonists helped the natives uh, to build two-story stone houses as the, I'm going to butcher this, I'm so sorry, the the Pecorunic and Ocha Gwen tribes. Um, anyways, they were the ones that were living in those two-story stone houses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the future, archaeologists, archaeologists, Oh my god, I can't talk. Archaeologists would find objects that would show European settlers at one point, uh, finding pieces of jewelry, pottery, tools, and even a handle to a rapier. Um, a woman named Roberta Estes actually founded the Lost, the Lost Colony of Roanoke DNA Project and uses her own private DNA testing company to try and see if colonists did merge with the local natives. So far, they have not been able to find any Illinois descendants. Yeah, that would be the hardest thing (laughs) (laughs) ever. Yeah. Well, my theory is Sasquatch. I was going to wait for the end for Sasquatch. (laughs) He rescued them. That's what he did. They're actually hanging out in one of those interdimensional portals. Oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) man. There's a fucking party going on. truly is. Um, okay, so theory two, which is kind of the, the scary one, is cannibalism. Oh, I didn't hear this one. Yeah, so the theory is that the colonists were either captured and eaten by hostile tribes, or that the colonists resorted to cannibalism to survive. So this theory <laughs> is popular but unlikely, as the local tribes were not known for cannibalism. Um, if we were to go the hostile native theory, the lack of any bones could be explained away by saying they could have collected their bones and crushed them up to be used for other things like healing remedies. Um, huh. Yeah, so... Interesting. Yeah. That, that's a fact. You know what would help my neck out? So why not bone? <laughs> rubbing it all over. <laughs> if cannibalism were to have happened, it would have been more likely to have been amongst the colonists themselves, similar to what had happened in Jamestown. Uh, later on, it would be reported that the local natives would confirm that there was conflict amongst the colonists. So I imagine that if you're starving and, you know, tempers oh, yeah. are flares yeah. and shit, uh, that cannibalism could be an outcome eventually. I think the natives were like, yeah, I saw Chatty Tom. <laughs> 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 took him by the crap, Tom, and just bludgeoned him. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, theory three, murder in the colony. So, there are two different groups that could have killed the colonists during this time. 
a local native tribe, or Spanish settlers. So the local native theory stems from John Smith. Yes, that John Smith who claimed <laughs> to speak with Chief Powhatan and to have had him admit that Chief Powhatan had the colonists killed in retaliation because they were living with another tribe that refused to ally with his. Uh, to support the claim, Chief Powhatan presented a musket barrel and a brass mortar and pestle to John Smith. Uh, there was a supposed prophecy that Chief Powhatan believed that he would be conquered and overthrown by people from that area. Uh, later on, a researcher by the name of Brandon Fulham found that the massacre most likely would have been during a second expedition, though. So. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So the Spanish theory is due to an ongoing war, you know, the one that uh, we were just talking about between England and Spain, mm -hmm. and that uh, the Spanish troops that were stationed in Florida, or I shouldn't say troops, I guess settlers, uh, they could have secretly traveled to Roanoke, and massacred the colony. The Spanish were known to attack forts located in South Carolina and Florida in the 1600s, mm -hmm. so it wouldn't really be too hard to, of a stretch to believe that. Right, the, the right. Florida was just so unforgiving in those times. <laughs> I, can, I can just imagine. Like, this is where Florida man was born. <laughs> I believe it. Like, I guess, uh, Seem like the historically how Florida was before like it got settled and everything. It's still wild. What are you talking no, about? No, I know it's yeah, still wild, yeah. but like <laughs> has I'm, it been settled? I'm not talking about the people. <laughs> I'm talking about the land. I'm just like <laughs> even settled. Like that's why they're always crazy. <laughs> so anyways, though, that's a somewhat logical theory. The fact that the settlers' fort was taken down and not abandoned suggests that there was an evacuation and not an attack where the remnants of the fort would still be found. Right. So, uh, theory four, new diseases. Yeah, that, that, that's my, you know. That's your go-to yeah. theory? Okay. So, another logical theory is disease and plague could have touched the colony. Since the colonists were introduced to a whole new world, the likelihood of contracting a new disease cannot be ruled out. There is uh, no theory as to what disease it could have been, but it's suggested it was something that had symptoms of delirium, paranoia, or madness. Local natives did report that the colonists had fought amongst themselves. The theory is that the uh, healthy would have left the sick there to die alone, and they would have went and integrated into the local native tribes. But again, this doesn't explain what would have happened to the bodies of the dead and like, their bones and whatnot. Right, right. A little while, I don't know what's the wild life like. Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Just like look at my cool bone necklace. <laughs> the first gun. God, I, I, I could oh, imagine. Sorry. Oh my God. What's so exciting Just for that? <laughs> Like, again, I could just imagine, like, let's say the cannibalism uh, theory was true. And, you know, Squatch is like, I got to go rescue them. And he shows up and just, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, get in my mouth. <laughs> I feel like Sasquatch is like our, our uh, what is it, the unintentional hero of everything. I, I feel like the, the tribes are like, are you watching them? They don't seem like me. <laughs> 
Any berries? Put off. It's all salt. Put some salt on it. Okay, so theory five five witchcraft in the woods. So the nearby Croatoan tribe were known to believe in witches and could have accused the Roanoke colonists of witchcraft if disease had spread from the colonists to their tribe. So the Croatoan uh, were also known to tell stories of witches in the woods. Uh, part of their culture was to tell of a spirit of the island that would absorb humans into the landscape and turn them into a tree, animal, stone, or any part of the land. They also believed a reptilian devil that would attach itself to people and cause violence, greed, and paranoia. This may be what uh, they believed to have happened when the colonists all began turning on each other. Okay, so, um, theory six, it's uh, not really a theory, but just weird stuff surrounding the word Croatoan. So uh, the word Croatoan uh, that was found in Roanoke was likely etched there to describe where the colonists were headed to, but it also has more historical mysterious implications. Right before Edgar Allan Poe's mysterious death, he disappeared for five days, only to reappear delirious. One of the last words he was supposedly to have spoken was the word Croatoan. In 1888, stagecoach robber Black Bart carved the word into the wall of his cell before he was released from prison. After his release, he was never heard from again. Another famous mystery that is bound to the word Croatoan is Amelia Earhart. Uh, she disappeared in 1937. Um, oh, Lord. Yeah, after she disappeared, they went through her journal and found the word Croatoan inside. And I, I don't know. I think that's just one of those things where it's like, it's a nice word. It's a cool word. Like, really now thinking about it. Word, well, that's true, right? It's very true. Well, I mean, to the books of history. I uh, have a password to the Sasquatch. <laughs> oh, shit. You say, you say it five times to, like, a tree and it's just going to open a door. Um, okay, so... Uh, let me see. Oh, in 1913, horror writer Ambrose Pierce disappeared in Mexico. In the bed he was said to have slept in before his disappearance, uh, the word Croton was carved into the bedpost. The last mysterious connection comes in 1921 from the logbook of the ship Carol A. Deering. On the last page of the logbook was the word Croton. The ship crashed into Copa Hatteras near Croton Island where the entire crew was missing. So the guy that got lost in Mexico, could we confirm that it was in Boys Town? <laughs> Boys Town? I, don't know so. I never looked back. So I would I would imagine that like, you know, what the the saying uh what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, I would assume that it, it more originated there because yeah, you that, that was <laughs> The go-to land for Yeah. What? <clears throat> well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you can go to Boys Town and see the famous donkey show. So let's Ooh, just. Nice. <laughs> and the donkey coming out, grow its own. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh no. Um, okay, so this is the last theory. This one's going to be very long, or not very long, I guess, but it's longer than the rest. So this is uh, the Dare Stones. 
1937, Louis E. Hammond found a stone near the east bank of the Chowan River. It was 21 pounds and had markings on it that he could not understand. He then took it to Emory University to have help deciphering the mysterious markings. On one side, the markings read, Ananias Dare and Virginia went to heaven, 1591. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, and so on this, uh, it says, Any Englishman show this, show John White, governor of Virginia. And so this translation, they kind of filled in the words. Okay. Uh, so it's a little easier to, to understand because it was very, like, I don't know, abrupt. And I'll, I'll try to leave out the, the building words. Okay, okay. Okay, so the other side of the stone read, Father, soon after you go for England, we came here. Only misery and war, two years. Above half dead, these two years. More from sickness, being twenty-four. Savage with message of ship, come to us. Small space of time, they frightened of revenge, ran all away. We believe it not you. Soon after, the savages said spirits angry, suddenly murdered all save seven. My child, Ananias too, slain with much misery. Oh no. Buried all near four miles east this river, upon a small hill, Names written all there on rock. Put there, put this there also. Savage shows this to you. We promise you give great plenty presents. E W D. And so that would have been Elizabeth Dare. Right. Wow. Okay. So <clears throat> that's the first bear stone. So. Uh, EWD was believed to have been Eleanor White Dare, daughter of John White, who was supposed to have returned to the colonies after one year. Professionals were unable to confirm the authenticity of the stone, but said that they believed that this stone could be real. The mention of a hill at the burial site caused a search that included Professor Haywood Pierce Jr. Haywood Pierce Jr.'s father owned uh, Brenu University at the time. And uh, with their backing, they began searching for the second site where the stone could be. A reward of $500, equivalent to 9300 today, was offered to anyone that could produce this second stone. Two men came forward, but it seems that neither of the men's claims were seriously looked at. So enter Bill Eberhardt, a stone cutter by trade with a third grade education that was known to sell counterfeit Native American relics. In May 1939, Eberhardt made several visits to Brenu uh, to deliver stones he claims to have found on a hill near Greenville County, South Carolina, near the town of Pelzer. Initially, Eberhardt was dismissed after they told him the type of stone they were looking for. Magically, the next time he appeared, he had a stone that fit their description. So they kind of just told him, like, this is what it needs to look magically. like. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way it works. Yeah. Just magically appears. So immediately, the Pierces wanted to purchase the property the hill was on after Everhart claimed to have already removed every stone with writing from the site. 
The Pierces, believing that Eberhardt was not intelligent enough to pull off a hoax, offered him two options, the original $500 reward or a $100 in-cash reward plus a 50% stake in whatever was found in the hill. He chose the $100 reward and 50% stake in the hill, and that made the Pierces more confident that they would surely find something, only to later on find that Eberhardt secretly uh, sowed his interest in the hill at the height of the publicity surrounding the stones. So third day, third grade in education yeah. in your face. For real. Okay, so the stones Eberhardt provided were to become known as uh, Dare Stones number two through fourteen. The inscriptions on these stones were different from Hammond's, with large mixed case letters in a loose round style. It also indicated that the 1591 massacre occurred in South Carolina approximately 400 miles from the Chowen River. Pierce Jr. rationalized that the original stone found by Hammond was inscribed in Greenville but carried to Chowen County by a Native American courier. So, a 15th stone was found in Georgia in July of 1939 in Hall County. This stone was similar in style to Eberhardt's stone and read, Put Much clue by way which doesn't really make sense to me but um huh. yeah <laughs> that, yeah that, that i don't know what that would mean yeah um, because i mean a byway what what could that relatively mean during that time you know i have no idea huh so in august like, you, you know so I, i'm sorry to uh-huh. to interject but like Personally, I kind of like the stone theory because it's a better story. It, it's well, you'll you'll see. <laughs> okay, okay. So in August of 1939, Everhart presented nine more stones that he allegedly oh, found. Yeah, <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so he allegedly found these in Habersham County, Georgia. These stones told a story of Eleanor and the colonists traveling toward Great Hanatu's lodgment and living in. Primeval splendor between fifteen ninety one and fifteen ninety three, and I don't even know what that means. Like, Are, do you mean like primeval? Maybe it's P R I M E V A L. Yeah, that's primeval. Okay, yeah, that was like a direct quote. So, I, I mean, primeval. I guess living deliciously is what I would say. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So. In August 1940, Eberhardt delivered three more stones Whoa. to the Pierces and offered to show them where he found them in Fulton County, Georgia. For money. <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently, only four miles from Eberhardt's home. So, <laughs> so it's like at this point, he's like, you come to me. The real estate. You want to buy it? <laughs> <laughs> so when they arrived, he handed over four more stones, even though the Pierces asked him to stop removing them from where he's finding them. <laughs> So these were stones 25 through 31. Stone 26 was said the note to note Eleanor married a Native American chieftain in 1593. And stone 28 has Eleanor asking John White, her father, to deliver her back to England. Stone 25 is Eleanor's tombstone that put her year of death in 1599. Eberhardt had shown the Pierces a stone on a ledge inside of a cave near the Chattahoochee River that they initially disregarded until a teenager chipped it off and took it. 
They were able to negotiate its return, and this became Dare Stone 47. Jesus yeah. Christ. The this message. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, it's not worth it? Then? Let me take it then. <laughs> yeah, so the message basically said Eleanor had been living near the cave since 1593. In September 1940, Eberhardt again disregarded the Pierce's requests to leave the stones untouched and brought them stones 32 through 35 and 37 through 45. Five of the stones in this group represented tombstones for the lost colonists. The final stone, Stone 48, was delivered to by Eberhardt once again in December of 1940. This one reads, John White, many prisoner, 40 miles northwest, Griffin Jones and Agnes Dare, 1603. In 1940, a conference was held to determine the validity of the Dare Stones. In attendance were 34 experts that ranged from archaeologists, archaeologists, God, that's a weird word. Archaeologists. There you go. Archaeologists. I was about to say, I didn't want to intervene. I'm sorry, I can't say that word. Historians, geologists, <laughs> ethnologists, and linguists. After reviewing the stones, they were declared to be authentic. Later on, though, in 1971, one appointee, Samuel Elliot Morrison, distanced himself from the Dare Stones and said they were fake because two words were not in the English language for another century or more. Those words being trail and I don't know what it's supposed to say, but it's it looks like reconnoitre. It's it was a weird spelling, so I don't know. What's the definition? I didn't look it up. Oh. I'm not that smart. <laughs> so, anywho's in ni- 1941, after Pierce Jr. submitted an article about the Dare Stones to be published in the Saturday Evening Post, uh, they had one of their own journalists like investigate into the stones. Uh, from there, it was found that Lois E. Hammond was never again found since leaving Emory. And that Eberhardt and his friends were always the only ones to find the other dare stones and always when they were alone. So all of the other dare stones, uh, basically, they, they proved that these Eberhardt and his little friends were like the ones like gathering them up. Right, right. Um, so it was like my kids just going outside and getting fucking stones. And- yeah, they're like, it's a dare stone. <laughs> um, so the, re- <coughs> the reporter Boyden Sparks that led the investigation, ultimately believed the stones to be fake. After the Post published uh, their article, uh, Eberhardt still tried to sell another stone to Pierce Jesus Jr. Christ. Suspicious of the authenticity now, Pierce Jr. declined to purchase it. Finally, Pierce had Eberhardt lead him to the cave where Stone 47 was found. Later on, Pierce Jr. returned to the cave site with a Georgia Tech geologist, Count Gibson, and discovered a bottle of sulfuric acid that they believed was being used <laughs> to age the stones. It's like, come on, guys, at least fucking take it out. Uh, I mean, at this just, point, at Rock 52, <laughs> they didn't care. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like they made their money. Yeah. From then on, Pierce Jr. told Eberhardt that they would no longer be doing business with him. Later, Eberhardt arranged a meeting with Pierce Jr.'s mother to purchase a stone for $200 with the inscription, Peace and Dare Historical Hoaxes. We Dare Anything. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Eberhardt demanded that they purchase the stone from him or he would give it to the Saturday Evening Post and confess to forging all of the dare stones that he sold to them. In May 13, 1941, there was a confrontation between Eberhardt and the Pierces. Eberhardt was holding a rifle a distance away from the family. <laughs> Jesus I know. Christ. Well, Pierce Jr. tried to manipulate Eberhardt into signing a confession. And all of this was witnessed by Gibson, the geologist. Right, right. From there, the Pierce family took their story to the papers and declared the stones themselves to be hoaxes and to report Eberhardt's extortion efforts. So now to this day, the stones are in a brand new campus house in an attic. What? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, even even if they're hoaxes, now they're historical artifacts. Yeah, I think they should still be displayed like within some type of museum or something, just to. And technically, they're historical artifacts now. Well, yeah. Now they are in an attic. Huh. And that's uh, what I have. Um, and I just want to say I got all of this information from historycollection.com and Wikipedia. <laughs> Yeah, my, mine's a collection of Wikipedia. Like that, that's pretty much the way mine goes. Is because we kind of choose our uh, topics a week in advance, <laughs> so I really don't get time to like go out and get the the uh, the best like book source. Mm -hmm. So I have to make do with what I can through, you know, the interweb. <laughs> yeah, the interwebs. Uh, it being YouTube, podcasts, yeah, uh, Wikipedia, just all kinds of things. I have not been able to buckle down and do any of anything, <laughs> but I hopefully my uh, workload lightens and I'll be able to contribute something other than wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, I will also say that I figured out what our audio uh, discrepancy was. Oh, what was that? And it pissed me off. I, I was going to flip the table right now. Uh, so I didn't acknowledge that the mic in was going into my laptop. Ah. So if somewhere, if, if I cannot fix it perfectly somewhere in the, the audio, like in my post-processing, I'm sorry, audience. I, I will do better next time. It's a learning process, yeah, guys. This Come one, on. It's a new mic. We're little baby oh, birds. Yeah. If, if this sounds any different, this is a new mic. Uh, and if there's anybody that wants to give some feedback and say that, like, I sound more natural or sexy or something. Let Send that know. to him, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you be sending that mess to me. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, okay, so before we end this, did y'all have any uh, any of y'all's own thoughts? No, uh, again, I... I, I have to agree with with the uh, the the integration into the tribes. Me too. Uh, it, it makes the most sense. Yeah, to be perfectly sure. honest. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's another story that people have generally heard, but have misconstrued it as being a big like mystery, yeah, like supernatural. Yeah, supernatural mystery, uh, but. Uh, I'll go the, the second round. I, I go with the logical disease and integration thing. But then the other part of me that it kind of stops. Okay. So if you were to tell me that's where it ends, mm -hmm. just like any other history lesson, you know, it, it ends there. That's Roanoke. That's how it happened. Boom. Battle of the, of, you know, whatever happens. Boom. That's where it ends. Just the simple fact that, it kept affecting uh, or it kept com coming up in all these other avenues and major 
media going on through the years. And it, it wasn't just like, you know, every so often. It, 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 what was the last one that you said that happened? Uh, Earhart? No, that it was a uh, horror novelist. I oh, believe. there you go. It, it, I think it adds to a little validity of it kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Carrying across, you know. Yeah. I, or I just thought it was very strange that the word Croatoan was like, why would, or how would you even hear that word? <laughs> first of all, unless you were interested in it. And then what would even possess you to write it in your last moments? Yeah. Or, well, you know, what's so strange is like the Amelia Earhart one is like, I, I was interested in that in, since I was little and like, I'd never heard the croatoan thing yeah i mean that, that that's true i've never heard of it as well up until you just mentioned it right now so yeah i mean interesting yeah. very interesting yeah. what, what would possess her to write that other than anything else she's off croatoan island that's where i'm going but anywho's um what about the dare stones because i think the first dare stone could possibly be authentic clearly the rest of them were not yeah like i, I legit think that the first stone was legit and then someone was like wait what you gave him how much for a rock uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah or well if if that first stone is real then that's just really really sad about pretty much all of them being oh, massacred and yeah. her baby yeah and then only leaving seven alive yeah yeah pretty that's, ridiculous that's really sad um yeah I, i'm still hung up on john white you know oh, like poor man I, yeah i i could not leave any of my children anywhere you know yeah. I, I just couldn't do that yeah come on pack your shit we're going <laughs> <laughs> as much as i despise y'all sometimes <laughs> i have to take you <laughs> i feel like jesse like really really feels that today but <laughs> anyways <laughs> i look at that fucking what is it the 500 yard empty stair <laughs> as you guys can tell i have not been that uh that's snazzy today. <laughs> it's 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 not that. I am actually injured, so mm-hmm. I don't have a quick little quims to come up with. Too much I'm telling pain. you, for revenge, how how heavy does he sleep? Um, you know what? I don't know because I'm a heavy sleeper. She's a She's a heavy sleeper. Yeah. So right now, just to get like revenge, I go put another pillow under his neck so that when he wakes up in it's the, the morning, double, it's the double neck thing. Um, <laughs> okay guys i hope that you guys enjoyed that uh history lesson and you walk away a bit more informed about this yes um especially about the dare stones please don't write croton if you you know (laughs) going out for some groceries or sending a text with your man i am going to write it on an avocado or something (laughs) oh my god i'll put it in the banana skin so it's not immediate (laughs) No. Oh my god, Don't I'm gonna give that. some lady a fucking heart attack. No. Yes. Anyways, I'm yes. sorry for suggesting that. Anyways. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thanks for listening in. Uh, again, you can find us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, oh gosh, all the ones I mentioned earlier. Podbean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, make sure to li- uh, like, rate, and subscribe, share all, all of our posts and whatnot. I'm getting back into sharing stupid ass memes onto the page. Yes. <laughs> oh, 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 can we also say that we're going to be attending the. Oh, we, we've applied. Yes. We've applied yes. to attend a local paranormal <clears throat> fest. So hopefully. 
hopefully we are approved and we would love to meet more people and get more stories. So if you want to be on our podcast, send in your story to let's chat paranormal at gmail.com. And uh, if there's enough people willing to do like zoom calls and whatnot, like I will pay for a stupid zoom subscription. If it means I'm going to get more people to tell me y'all stories. Yes. And guys like, yeah, go out there to the, to the festival. And, and I have a setup to where we could record there on the spot. It may not be like the best audio, mm-hmm. but Maybe either we arrange something or we could do we'll it right some there notes. on the spot. Yeah, we could yeah. take some notes. We'll we could actually notes. take your account down. I mean, come could, and see us. Could yeah, go I'm, old school with a a handheld little recorder. Yeah. And then just play it back, you know, Spooky. add a little bit to it, you know? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I, I promise you, I'm, I'm a lot better looking than I sound. <laughs> So I just, I'm just going to start. Well, no, I can't even tag have your the pleasure fucking of Instagram. <laughs> Why? What, what? Because you don't have anything on your Instagram. I have an Instagram? Eric. What? You have an Instagram. Oh, shit. I, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start. You know what? Anyways. All right. God, I'm just I'm, I want to say I'm going to go the, the Sasquatch route and I'm going to be elusive. <laughs> I'm just gonna tag you and everything now. You're like this is Jesse. Hello. Yes. And if y'all would like to pay for me to talk to you very sexy, very nice microphone. Just or let me know. We're gonna do ASMR videos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. We're rambling. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, hope you have a great week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.